From Vermont Digger, I'm Mike Dougherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, independent doctors across Vermont are closing their practices, while major hospital systems take over a growing share of the state's patients. What does that mean for Vermonters seeking care? Last week, our healthcare reporter Katie Jickling visited an independent doctor in Georgia, Vermont, to learn more. If you want to take a picture, take a picture of that. I don't know, I don't know if it's cotton, right? And it's, uh, and it's Norman Rockwell. Right above the patient's table, there's this Norman Rockwell painting called Country Doctor that is very prominent, and he can see it from his big wooden desk. It's, um, it's, it's. The more I, you know, as I've looked at it over the years, there's, there's a, he's, he's really telling a story in that picture, I think. It's sort of been his you know, North Star. Ever since he was in medical school in Buffalo, he said it was above the desk of his dean. For, for him, it really embodied this, this image of the kind of doctor that he wanted to be. And, um, you know, this child doesn't look very ill, but these people are very focused on what's going on and um, he's still dressed in his work clothes very patient and this little guy I think I think he says you know we've had a long relationship I mean I probably that's probably their son and they you know he probably took care of that little guy it shows a older doctor uh, caring for a young boy, and the boy's parents are looking concerned, and there's an older sibling sitting in a corner. It's sort of evening, and there's a dog sleeping by the fire. It's clearly in this doctor's house, and he's caring for these people that he's probably known for a really long time. And for Dr. Joe, it epitomized this in-person, like very personalized encounter and relationship, and working hard for this community that you love and are a part of. And I think that that's something he sort of looks at. He talks to his teenage patients, he says, and, and says, this is self-fulfilling prophecies are, are really true. And and look at me, and, and this is what I have envisioned and have followed. I tell them, well, that's my self-fulfilling prophecy right there. So, What's the vibe of this office? How is it different from where some other folks might go see a pediatrician? You go in and behind the desk, there are just shelves and shelves of medical records. He clearly has not moved to electronic medical records, and he's quite proud of that. He sees that as really focusing on, rather than looking at a computer screen, he's talking to his patients. Welcome to an analog office. Um, uh, We were remarking on that. Yeah. Um, a good a good analogy is um, we're doing vinyl here. Um, you know, we're, we're doing the real thing. Um, we're not digital. Um, so. And he's crafted this office in a way that is personal to him. The waiting room is set up like a beach with a floor tiled with the ocean and swimming fish and different plants around. And there are drawings from little kids and his patients on on all the walls. 
how did Dr. Joe get into this? How did he end up as an independent practitioner out there? He came to Vermont in 1991 by way of upstate New York after medical school. And he started at a small practice in St. Albans called Mousetrap Pediatrics. He was there for about until 2006, so about 15 years. It was independently owned, but he felt like it was getting too big. Eight doctors, five offices, 30 nurses. So it was a big operation. And and it was the time of big office, lots of stuff going on, um, phone tree. He talked about a phone tree where people call and there's the press one if you want to talk to Dr. Joe, press two if you want to talk to Dr. So-and-so, and that was too much for him. That just didn't work for me anymore. So I went off into private practice in 2006. He's been there ever since, and he sees this as a way to do medicine his own way in a very personalized, one-on-one sort of setting. When I was with the big group, I had chest pain for five years. And until I finally left, I realized, okay, the source of the chest pain is this irresolvable anxiety about not being able to practice medicine in a comfortable way that, and, and, you know, 13 years ago, going off on your own was crazy. I mean, nobody hangs up a shingle anymore. Why are you hanging out? You must be out of your mind. And I was scared, you know, is, is this going to work? But, you know, there were people like Paul that I knew that, you know, uh, the internists that were here in town who had done it. And I spoke with them and I you know, said, okay, well, these guys can do it. I can do it too. What about in terms of the way he works with his patients? How does he see that as different from the way a doctor might interact with their patients in a larger setting? He says that he wants to practice medicine, not healthcare, And for him... That means that he's not interested in the business of healthcare, the billing and the politics of care as much, and all the factors that are really administrative in nature. You know, the whole thing that we call healthcare drugs, drug costs, you know, surgery I mean, just there's all of that. And then there's what I do, which is this smaller part of that whole thing. And I think this is medicine. I think this is that picture that you're looking at. That's the Norman Rockwell, you know, like it's, I'm your doctor. Um, It's what we did today. He wants to see his patients. He wants to get to know them on a very personal level. And he wants to talk about their health and the things that they care about, even if that doesn't fit neatly into the block that they've signed up for in their appointment. This job gets better the longer you do it. So after 20 years, you've done a generation now. So I mean, we saw a patient this morning, uh, that young woman that was here with her three-year-old, mm-hmm. and I took care of her since she was born. So, um, you know, I am I'm what some people think of when they think of my doctor. He talked about providing really seamless care to patients. He saw a young patient who was burned on his hands, and he came in, he treated the burns, and then the parents came back every day for the rest of the week, just making sure that they were doing the right thing, that they were changing the bandages properly. One of the great things about this kind of practice is that you get me or you're stuck with me. Um, but, uh, you know, you get that linear look, you know, like, okay, you saw this wound yesterday. Now you're looking at it today. It's very hard to describe that. I suppose you could photograph it. And, and that's something he could do because it's him. He sees those same people over and over. That's something he could do because he was willing to push around other appointments when this these 
concerned parents showed up at, at different times of the day. It's something he could do because he he knew the patient, he knew what had happened to this child, and he was willing to put in the time for the family. Thursday, I had a boy come in who has very complicated problems, um, who was scheduled to have surgery on Monday. And he uh, worried about having an infection prior to the surgery, and so we were able to do some tests. And on Saturday, uh, we were able to confirm those tests and start him on the proper treatment prior to his surgery. So um, Thursday, I saw the patient. Friday night, I was on the phone with his mother and his surgeon. Saturday morning, I got a call from the lab. Um, I was in Montreal. I was able to um, communicate with the, the mother about the results of the tests uh, and the antibiotics he needed to be on. And Monday morning, when I walked in, I called the surgeon to update him on um, what had happened over the weekend. So that seamless care from Thursday day to Monday morning would have involved many changeovers in healthcare. All good people, but it, you know, the story, you know, the game of telephone you played when you were a kid where everybody whispers in the ear of the next person and, you know, and they're trying to care for this entire practice. It was harder for me to be on call once every eight nights for eight doctors than it is for me to be on call every night for my, for my patients because I know the story. That's something I, I also heard from a family who's been going to him, to Dr. Joe, for several years. They have two boys. When one of them has an appointment, Dr. Joe's happy to look at the other one as well, even though it's not a billable hour and he's probably not getting paid for it. Hmm. They also said that Dr. Joe invited the family over to pick apples this fall, <laughs> and uh, which is decidedly not in, in the realm of typical doctor duties. Yeah, I can't think of the last time that happened to me. What made you decide to seek out this doctor? What was your interest in looking at how someone like Dr. Joe operates his practice? There used to be 10 pediatricians in Franklin County. One practice has closed entirely. The second practice that formerly employed seven or eight doctors that has merged with Northwestern and a couple of those doctors have left. Now there are five. And so he's the only independent pediatrician left in the county. And it's indicative of this larger trend where particularly rural families are traveling farther and farther distances to see a pediatrician. And more and more doctors want to join hospitals because of a heavy administrative burden. It's difficult to have electronic health records and do the billing and administration in addition to seeing patients. And so often doctors want to be able to have the administrative structure that a hospital offers. You know, I think there's some really, really talented, smart, good physicians that work in big systems. And they're able to do that. Um, and I think the magic is when the in, when you're in the exam room with the patient and the door is closed and you're focused on what, you know, why are you here today? What What's troubling you? And I think that's what motivates people to go to medicine. I don't think it's, you know, I think there's some doctors that are very interested in analytics and developing the new health record and I'm and that's great. That's a good skill set to have. But I think most people that go into medicine really want this connection that we feel when we're in the room. 
I'm curious why this trend? Why are there so many fewer independent pediatricians in Franklin County now than there were, you know, 10 years ago? This is something that is happening all over the country. It's increasingly difficult for doctors to make it on their own for a variety of reasons. There has been a trend toward consolidation that started in the late 80s and early 90s when the Affordable Care Act passed in 2010. That's Obama's health care law. It basically incentivized outpatient care rather than inpatient care. And so hospitals started buying up independent practices and and small doctor's offices because they wanted to reap the benefits offered by those incentives. And so that also helped accelerate the trend. Is that what's happened in Vermont? Nationally, about 31% of doctors say that they're um, an owner or partner in their own medical practice, but that's down from about 57% in 2000. Wow. That's close to a 50% drop over 18 years. In Vermont, the trends are similar. Independent doctors have dropped from 47% in 2011 to 31% in 2017, which is the most recent numbers we have. That's a really significant drop, and that's exacerbated in the most rural areas. I wonder, are there other political factors, either in-state or nationally, that have contributed to this? Are there other forces that are kind of fighting against practices like Dr. Joe's? Often, the doctors in rural areas in particular see a lot more poorer patients who they're on Medicaid. And the Medicaid reimbursement rates for doctors are pretty low. And so when you're seeing a high percentage of these patients, it makes it harder and harder to remain financially feasible. One of the first years I started, um, I had a child who um, stuck a pitchfork in their foot. And because the family uh, didn't have health insurance, you know, going to the doctor was not something that they were going to do until things got very bad. And then by the time I saw the child, he had a bad infection, needed to be hospitalized, have a surgery and, you know, clean out the infection. So especially in the northern reaches of Franklin County, um, you know, Appalachia extends up to the Canadian border. And um, the poverty in, in the northern section of the county is, is significant. And, you know, probably on the order of 60 or 70 percent of the kids in um, Richford up through to um, St. Johnsbury are covered on state insurance because of their parents' employment situation. And there was a 21 percent drop in reimbursement in 2016 for Medicaid. And that's what led to the demise of the pediatric practices in Franklin County. So 21 percent drop in reimbursement rates for kids or just kids? For, for Medicaid. Okay. But if, if more than half of the kids you're taking care of now suddenly have this huge drop and, and the good thing is everybody has insurance, so they're not getting the pitchfork in the foot anymore. They're coming to get care. But, you know, you'd have to talk to somebody from the old mousetrap group to ask exactly what happened. But my sense was that they just went out of business. They just couldn't, they couldn't make payroll. I talked to a doctor named Paul Rogers up in Johnson, Vermont, and he closed his practice earlier uh, this year. He's been practicing there for decades, 
and he wanted tried to give away his practice. Hmm. He but he couldn't find anybody to take it. So he ended up just closing it down. But but he said, you know, it's understandable with young doctors and tens of thousands of dollars of medical school debt. It's difficult to make a go of it, especially with the financial challenges and just the challenges of being a young person living in a very rural area. Yeah. I'm curious who else you've talked to about this trend that we're seeing of hospitals consolidating and independent doctors kind of falling by the wayside. What else have you been hearing about the big picture outlook here? Right now, the big elephant in the room, so to speak, is UVM Medical Center, which has six hospitals in New York and Vermont, and also has about 49 medical practices, including 37 in Vermont. And so they're buying up practices at a relatively rapid rate, and they often pay doctors a little bit more to work for them. And it's sort of a consistent schedule and consistent employment. They're sort of the the trend. Um, and, and often that consolidation is increasing costs for patients overall. So that's a concern for some people. I'm curious... What does this all mean for Vermonters? You know, what? how does it really manifest itself in their care to be seeing an independent doctor like Dr. Joe versus going to a larger hospital or hospital-owned practice? I think that depends who you ask. If you asked folks at UVM Medical Center, they focus a lot on data analysis and looking at care through these sort of data lenses, they have very sophisticated technology and equipment. And they're often probably typically providing very good care. But they, according to Dr. Joe and and these other independent doctors, it's maybe not as personal. So you're not getting to know your doctor. You're not seeing the same person again and again for years and sometimes even for generations. Dr. Joe is now on a second generation of patients. So he's seeing the children of the people he saw um, since they were babies. Got it. It's a different kind of care and different priorities in how you practice medicine. And depending on who you are, that may or may not be important to you. It's also an issue in terms of access. There are a lot of doctors and a lot of pediatricians in Chittenden County, but once you go out further to the Northeast Kingdom, toward some of the communities, rural communities on the Canadian border, there just aren't doctors up there. Hmm. And so if you're a family and both parents are working or you maybe don't have transportation, it can be very difficult to get to a doctor in a reasonable amount of time. And so I think it's a reasonable assumption to think that some of those families just aren't going for their annual checkups or doing some of this preventative medicine that might save Vermonters money in the long term. Got it. So if this trend continues and it becomes less and less viable for independent doctors to run their own practices, where does that leave folks like Dr. Joe and his community? Well, Dr. Joe wants to retire in the next several years. And he said he met a UVM med school student who grew up in the area, had a couple kids, and really wanted to come back and practice in his community. And I think in an ideal world, he would sell or give away his practice 
to somebody like that. Those people are getting harder and harder to find. Hmm. And I think you see that with Paul Rogers, who, who had to close his practice. I think when you own the practice or you become very invested in you know, this way of life. I, I mean, I'm here because I enjoy what I do, and I, I, I want to continue to do what I'm doing. So, like, my neighbor who's an organic dairy farmer, you know, I asked him, how do you keep farming? He said, hope. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope that things change, and I hope that thing that this is a cyclic sort of thing. There's an up and a down to it. I think that in the future, a lot of these practices may well be owned by bigger hospitals, and hopefully they'll think that it's lucrative enough to send doctors to more rural areas. But it may not be. And it may also just mean that families will drive further for their care. Um, and it may mean that you're not seeing the same doctor every year for um, your checkup. It may mean that you schedule an appointment with whoever's available at a bigger institution like UVM Medical Center or Northwestern. And, and that does change the dynamic. It seems like overall that maybe results in less choice for people in how they get care. Yeah, I think choice is an issue. I think there, there are two different facets of that. One is that some people worry that less competition will result in higher prices because a lot of the practices may be owned by the same small group of hospitals that prices will ultimately go up. Doctors or practices will be less efficient and innovative in and, and how they provide care. And ultimately, the care will suffer. Patients will suffer. And, and there's also just the fact that, that we want to be able to choose where we see a doctor and what kind of care we get and where we bring our kids when they have a fever in the middle of the night. And that's important to people too, even though it's much harder to measure. Thanks for the rundown, Katie. You're welcome. You can find Katie's report on independent doctors in Vermont this weekend at vtdigger.org. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger newsroom. Every Friday, we go deep on one key story we've been following. You can find more episodes on our website or subscribe to The Deeper Dig in your phone's podcast app and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We use music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. This is our last episode of 2019. You can find a list of our most downloaded episodes of the year at vtdigger.org. We'll be back in 2020 with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. Happy holidays. <laughs>